As we come to God's Word this morning, I just want to pause and let's just ask Him for His strength um, so that He, His Spirit, will do the work He has to in every single one of us. Let's just pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, as we pause for this last Sunday of this year, we come with a sense of expectancy as we open your word. And Lord, we know that it is your Spirit who makes alive the words from the Bible. And so, Lord, I pray that as we look at your word this morning, your Spirit would make it alive in our hearts. May we not be on holiday spiritually, Lord, but may we continue to walk the walk you have called us to, to fight the fight with the armour you've asked us to put onto, so that we would live out Jesus Christ and the world would know that you live. Do your work in us now. Strengthen us for the task, we pray. Amen. I'd ask you to turn with me in the book of Psalms. We're going to be breaking away a bit in the holidays and looking at a few Psalms. And Psalm 130, Psalm 130. Now, I've called it, based on the Psalm, Crying from the Depths. And you'll have to ask yourself, oh, Calvin, lighten up. Do you have to do this at the end of the year? Can't we do something bubbly and joyful? Well, let's see what happens at the end. Psalm 130. It's a song of ascents, and I'll speak about that a little later. This is the psalmist speaking now, and he's not having a good day. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. I say, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. What an amazing psalm. We come to the end of this year, 2013, and I want to ask you, What gives you hope for 2014? What is it you base your hope on? You see, as we face another year coming to us, some of you might even know some of the things that have to happen next year. You might know your financial situation and you know that, say for a miracle, you're going to go through a hard year again next year. Some of you are facing severe sickness and you know by your medical records and by your doctor that it's going to get worse. Some of you are facing major operations which you already know are planned. You've got to have that hip surgery. 
Some of you teenagers or um, smaller children, you might be going to a new school. And you're thinking, high school, that's like a big school, lots of kids. I hope I'm going to be all right. Some of you might just be afraid of the unknown of what's, what's 2014 going to bring. But what do you do in response to that? Do you just close your eyes and hope for the best? Many people do. Now, let's take it to our spiritual lives. In this past 2013, have you ever stopped and thought about your spiritual progress? Maybe you haven't. And as you think of your lack of spiritual progress, possibly, are you tempted to want to just give up the fight against sin? You think, I've struggled so much this year, I can't face another year of struggling with my own weaknesses. Tell me, does your own sinfulness even concern you? Does it even stop you at times? And you think, what am I doing? How much God loves me and how much I disobey Him. Does it even overcome you at times? Has it ever overcome you in your life? You see, that's exactly what's happened here to the psalmist. He's been overcome. And he expresses his spiritual battle in this penitential psalm. One of uh, the six of seven psalms of ascent. Now these were psalms that the whole Jewish nation used to recite as they were walking up the steps of the temple. They used to stop at specific steps and recite these psalms. Say them to the Lord. They were called psalms of ascent as they were preparing themselves, not just for sacrifice, but also for worship of Almighty God. And so, the psalmist here is expressing his state before the Lord, his helplessness. And he starts the psalm in the lowest depths of despair, and I'm sure you noticed that in the first stanza, the first few verses. But it progresses steadily upwards until at the end of the psalm, there is encouragement, as some person has said, Encouragement for the many from the experience of the one. And so, come with me as we go with the psalmist as he expresses what is in his heart to the Lord. And maybe you too can get some encouragement as we face 2014. And so we start in verses 1 and 2. He says, Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. He starts off in extreme misery here. He's in the depths. Uh, That's not just any old phrase. It's a very specific phrase used in the Hebrew for being caught in dangerous and very deep waters and you're about to die. They'll say, I'm in the depths. I'm about to perish. It's the very same image portrayed in Psalm 62. You might want to flick there quickly. Psalm 62, verses 1 and 2. See if you identify with us at some time in this past year. This is what he says, Psalm 62, verses 1 and 2. Exactly the same thought. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. Anyone been in that situation this year? 
You're trying to make way in the year and it's just not working. There's no foothold. You push, but there's nothing to push against. I know people that like that this year. They've spoken to me this year. But what has brought this right of the psalm into this condition? Is it just the hard times? Has he been facing hard times and now he expresses his emotional state before the Lord? Is it just suffering that has brought him to this point, this low point in his life? No, actually it's not. There's something else you see. There's something bigger. There are symptoms here of a deeper problem. And he gives us clues as he goes through. The problem is with his own sin. That's what's brought him to this point. Because he speaks in verse 3 of a record of sins. He speaks in verse 4 of forgiveness. He speaks in verse 7 of redemption. All terms linked to sin. And so he cries out under the weight and the waves of his own sin. That's what's pushing him down. The problem with trying to appreciate the psalm today in our modern era, 2013-14, is that so many of us do not have much awareness of sin. Think of your own life. How aware are you of your own sin? How aware are you of sin influencing you? Around you. We live most of our lives with very little awareness of God, you see. And where there's little awareness of God, there is very little awareness of sin. The two go hand in hand. A little awareness of God means there's very little awareness of sin. If you're very aware of God, your sin will stand out. And you won't want to sin. And so it's hard for us to understand the psalm. You see, the term wrath of God, which is the end result of sin if it's not dealt with, it's not just an old-fashioned theological idea, as so many say, but it's a terrible and an impending reality on us. It's coming if we don't deal with this problem. But maybe you are one of those who is aware of your sin. One of those rare people in our day who's troubled by the wrong things that you do. Suppose you are, this morning as you sit here, you are in the depths. No one can see it, you're hiding it. But you are in the depths of despair. Where can you turn for help? You see, you won't find it in yourself any more than the writer of the psalm could find help in himself. The only hope, the only source of hope for you is who? Is God. And is in His mercy. And how do you get that? You need to fall down before Him and you need to cry to Him for help, as the psalmist does here. Lord, hear my cry. And if you are looking inwards, like that monkey story we had told earlier this morning, If you are looking inward for your help, you will only sink deeper and deeper into the dark place of despair. That's the end result, you see, if you only try and help yourself. You need God. You need God who alone is able to pull you out of that dark place, to set your feet onto a rock so that you can stand and to establish the way forward for you. Only God can do that. You can't do it yourself. And so that's why the psalmist cries out, Oh Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to. In other words, Lord, bend down to me and incline your ear to me. Incline your ear. Hear my cry for mercy. What's he saying? 
Lord, it's you or nothing. You or nothing, Lord. What happens? Verse 3 and 4. Does God just leave him in that situation? Does he just cry and cry and cry and God doesn't hear? No. Verse 3. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. You see, sin's the problem, yes. But what the psalmist seeks is forgiveness from God, which God gives, and here's the key word, God gives forgiveness, what? Freely. He gives forgiveness freely to you. Listen to this. You might have been taught otherwise where you come from. You don't need to pay penance. God gives forgiveness freely. And the psalmist says, how terrible it would be if all that we could expect of God is a record of our sins. If we come to God and He says to me, and He says to you and I, no, all you've committed is this, 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 and the list carries on. That's it. You're going to hell. If that was the response we got from God, how doomed we would be. That's what he says. No one could stand before you then, God. We would all face this guilty verdict and we'd be doomed to an unbearable eternity in hell without any hope of recovery and without God. If it wasn't for the forgiveness of God. You see, there is good news and that good news or that gospel news is that there is forgiveness in God. Verse 4 says, but with you there is forgiveness. Now here's the beautiful thing. You might not find forgiveness from people in the world around you. You might not find forgiveness from your husband because you bashed his car. And ladies, husbands, you might not find forgiveness from your wife after you said things about her in that fight last night. And you might not find forgiveness from your children, parents, because you spoke harshly to them when you were in a bad mood. And you hear those words, will you forgive me? And your child says, no. You might not find forgiveness from your co-workers because you've said you're a Christian and you lost your cool. And they all saw. And they say, if that's a Christian. And one you often hear today, you might not even find forgiveness from yourself. However, that might work. You see, there is one who will forgive you. There's the good news. And he is a forgiving God. And he will not remember your sins like your children will. He will not forget them. He will remove your sins. As far as the east is from the west. And that's a, pro- that's a promise from God. He will take your sins away from you. Your co-workers can't do, you, do that for you. They can only forgive you for something you've done. But they can't take your sins away. God can forgive you and take your sins away from you. And separate them from you eternally. But here's the problem. Only if you ask him for mercy. You see, there's the problem with you and I. We don't ask. We don't ask. I want to give you four truths about forgiveness. And this will give you hope for this coming year. And so you might think, come on Calvin, we've got a whole new year coming now. Give us the good news. We want a little bit more. Well, here it is. Firstly, God's forgiveness 
is inclusive. What do I mean by that? Verse 4 says, it doesn't limit the type of sins which God will forgive. It says, there is forgiveness. It doesn't say what for. It says there just is forgiveness for any sin, by anybody. It doesn't say the types of sins. It, it includes that big one that you've committed too, by the way. All sin can be forgiven by anybody, including you. And you might think you're too bad for God to save. He can forgive your sin. And this morning you might be utterly ignorant of the Bible and you might not know one theological truth. But here's one for you this morning and listen to this. There is forgiveness with God. God's grace is larger than any sin. His grace encompasses it all. It is grace. So God's forgiveness is inclusive. Any, any sin, anybody. Secondly, God's forgiveness is for now, for today. You don't have to hope that somehow, at the last day, you might have forgiveness, as Islam teaches. And you're hoping that God on that day is feeling good, otherwise you won't be forgiven. At the whim. No. God says to us through His Word that if we ask for forgiveness, He will give it to us now, today. You don't have to wait around in fear and trembling your whole life and hope that you've done enough good so that you'll be forgiven. God can forgive you today if you ask Him. His forgiveness is for now. You don't have to work or earn God's forgiveness. In actual fact, you can't. You can't earn your forgiveness. His forgiveness is given to you as a gift. It's given to you now, this very moment. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, you need to come today. Thirdly, God's forgiveness is for those who want it. It's for those who want it. It's there, but you must ask Him for it. And then you must trust Him to give it to you. You see, what is the psalmist doing in the psalm? He's confessing his sin to God. He's not covering it up. He's not, he's, not ask, he's not just pretending that he doesn't need forgiveness. He's confessing it to the Lord. So many of us cover it up and we pretend we can carry on life as we are and we don't actually need to ask for forgiveness. No, the Bible teaches you need to stop and you need to come before God and ask for forgiveness. It doesn't happen automatically. You've got to ask. And when you do ask, God in His mercy extends His forgiveness to you. And don't think you can come before the Lord and, and demand forgiveness. You've got to ask for forgiveness. You see, He wants a humble heart before Him. He doesn't owe you forgiveness. But have you asked Him to forgive you? And if you do, He will forgive you. Fourthly, God's forgiveness leads to holy fear. Now that's a word that's kind of not heard much these days. Holy fear. You see, he's speaking about a fear here to do with a holy reverence of God. One that respects God and knows who God is. And that leads to something. It leads to a way of life before God. If you know that God is almighty, you will not live a sinful life before the Lord constantly. Because you know who God is. But if you forget how big God is, sin won't bother you. You'll get into sin and it won't bother you as a Christian. 
You've lost your perspective, you see. How big is God to you? When God forgives, it leads to holy living. You realize how much you've been loved. You realize how God has saved you in spite of your sin. And even because of your, even despite your disregard of Him, He saved you. And then there'll be a result in your life. And I want you to do some self-examination as the Holy Spirit works in you this morning. Do you find these characteristics in your life? Because when God is forgiven, the results will be a, li- a, love, a life of love. A life of worship and a life of service. Do you find those three characteristics in you? Love? For people? For God? Do you find in you a sense of worship? I need to get spend some time with the Lord. I want to sing these songs to my God. I want to give Him my whole life. Service to the Lord. Are those three things in your life? If not, Maybe you haven't actually confessed to the Lord. Maybe you presume on forgiveness without any genuine repentance, without trusting the Lord. You see, the Bible teaches us through these verses that those who have been forgiven are softened, they are humbled, and they are overwhelmed by God's mercy. Are you characterized by being a hard person? Are you characterized by being full of yourself? Are you characterized by speaking out about what you have done and not overwhelmed by what God has done? People who come with this attitude to God are the ones who say, I don't want to sin against you, Lord, because of what you have done. And I try my hardest not to sin against you, Lord, with a... With a help that the Holy Spirit gives me. But when I do sin, and I know I will because I'm human, I hurry back to God for deliverance. I don't just hang around and hope the sin will go away or think God won't notice. I come to Him. Does that describe you? Well, the psalmist has come and he's experienced forgiveness. Why? He's asked God and God has forgiven him. And now we go to verses 5 and 6. He says, I wait for the Lord. Now that's a kind of a strange thing to say. Haven't you asked for forgiveness? I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, I say. More than those who watch for the morning. So now having found forgiveness, what is the psalmist waiting for? Like watchmen who wait for the first rays of sun to come because then they know that they are safe. And secondly, they know that their watch duty is over. Those of you who have done guard duty before. He's waiting with expectancy. When will the sun rise? Lord, I'm waiting on you. Why is he waiting? Is he waiting for deliverance from the trouble that he seems to be in? Is that what he's waiting for? No. You see, there's a bigger thing he's waiting for here. Who has been sinned against? God has been sinned against. Who has been offended by his sin? And who is now out of fellowship with God? Well, the psalmist is. And so what he's waiting for here is a restoration of his relationship with God. 
And I'll explain that a little bit now. You see, forgiveness doesn't depend on feeling forgiven. He is forgiven because God has said in His Word that if you ask for forgiveness, I will forgive you. Isaiah 1.18 The Lord says this, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. I like that, that's very Jewish. Let us speak. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. I have promised that, I will do it, says the Lord. So when you come for forgiveness, I will grant it to you. And so the the psalmist now looks forward with expectancy to a restored intimacy with God because he has now come and asked for forgiveness and the forgiveness has been given to him. It's very much like you and your child. Remember those days, and you might still be there, legally or not legally, when you might need to put a bit of discipline on the seat of learning. And it's not pleasant. And there's tears. And there's sadness. But then there comes that time when you go back to them and you say, right, now all the drama's over. Mommy still loves you. Dad loves you. And remember that moment when your child, who knows that they've done wrong, they know what they got was what they should have got. When they put their arms around you and they say, I love you. That's the moment he's talking about here. It's that restoration of intimacy with your Lord. You see, when you come and you ask for forgiveness, God promises that he will be your father. He will be your Abba, Father. You can put your arms around Him again and He will enfold you with His love. And that's a sweet moment. And you'll know when that's happened in your life is when you've been out of touch with the Lord and then suddenly the words seem to jump off the page again when you read the Word and you feel alive in your spiritual life. That's the moment I'm talking about. It's restoration with your God. And then the psalmist can't help himself, verses 7 and 8. He's just experienced this restored intimacy with God. And so he cries out to his fellow Israelites standing on the temple steps with him, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Can you see this guy? He's hopping up and down, shouting this out. Israel, I've experienced it, you can experience it. Why? Because of who God is. But come to him. You see, up to this point, his sorrow for sin, his repentance, his prayer, his faith, his hope in God, had all been centered in his own experience with the Lord. But in this last stanza, having found forgiveness and restoration with his God, he turns to those about him, to Israel, and he joyously encourages them to also, as he puts it, put their hope in the Lord, because by, by his very nature, God will also forgive them. He is saying, this truth of God's forgiveness is something that anyone can discover. Even me. God forgave me. And if you will confess your sin, if you will ask Him to forgive you, then He will also forgive you just as He forgave me. But do it, Israel. And what does He base His bold statement on? On the unchanging character of God. The one who is always the same. The God who was the one who forgives. And now, today, stays the one who who will forgive. And in 2014, guess what? He will still be the God who forgives if you will come and ask. 
Put your hope in the Lord, says the psalmist. And then he ends with this very profound promise, verse 8, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. You see, there's no way the psalmist could have understood the full scope and the specific details of what was involved in what he was saying there. And in the historical unfolding of that time, he could not have foreseen that it would be Jesus who would pay for all sin. However, he would have had the prophecies, he would have understood quite a lot about this Messiah who would one day come and bring a total redemption for the forgiveness that God was already giving to people. Do you understand that? You see, God was forgiving people in the Old Testament as a part payment for what would, what would happen in the future. When Jesus Christ the Messiah came, the whole thing would fall into place. All the Old Testament sins that had been forgiven would now be forgiven in Jesus Christ. But up to that point when the Messiah died and paid for sin, all the, all the sins of these people in the Old Testament would be forgiven on the basis that the Messiah would die for it later. But the psalmist couldn't understand that. He just knew a Messiah would come and he would bring forgiveness for sin in the bigger sense of the word. But what about you and I today? We're in 2013, going on to 14. We've got study Bibles. We've got software about the Bible. We've got experience. We've got the history of what's happened now in the world already. Christ did come. We've just celebrated this baby who came as a Redeemer. He did come. He did die for us. He did die for our sins. It's happened historically. God's Word says so. We've got the full Word. The psalmist didn't have the full Word. Do you understand how great this Gospel news is to you? You can be forgiven too. And as we face 2014, these experiences and events which await you will gain their true perspective only when you understand this great truth first and you set it as your greatest priority as you enter into the new year. Listen to this. What, how do I prepare for 2014? Because those trouble things are lying ahead. That operation, all those things are waiting for me. How do I prepare for 2014? Here's what you do. You come to the Lord daily and you ask Him to forgive your sin. And He will give you forgiveness, how many times? Daily. And with that forgiveness comes a restoration of relationship. How often does that happen? Daily. And He will give you hope. Daily. As you go into 2014. And so what can happen? Because in anything and everything, if your relationship with the Lord is what it should be, you will have hope for that day. It doesn't matter what the year throws at you. If your priority is set right, then Christ will be glorified in and through your hard times or your good times. Christ will be glorified. But it's when we stop, stop and when we look at those hard times, that's when the glory doesn't shine out of our lives. And so I would ask you this morning as you consider this psalm, Psalm 130, prepare yourself for 2014 by starting today and tomorrow and the day after and asking the Lord to forgive you your sins 
daily. And keep that daily relationship with Him going. Because then the year, with everything it will throw at you, will not be able to affect you. Because you might even face death. But in the end, when you open your eyes, in new life, who will be there? Jesus Christ. Because He's brought that new life to you again. He was there all the time, you see. He's the unchanging God. And so what can 2014 hold? It can hold the following for you if you follow that recipe. It can hold for you forgiveness of sin by a holy God who loves you. It can hold for you the joy of a restored relationship and the victory of testifying to those colleagues around you and your friends and your family that God is alive and He forgives. And the rest, come what may, God will still be glorified. Do you see why there's hope for this year? It doesn't matter what comes your way. If your compass is set on the Lord and your feet are walking a close relationship with God, come what may, God will still be glorified. I trust that you will take that to heart and that you will be encouraged by this word from the Lord. And that we will face 2014 together if the Lord gives us that many days until He comes again. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, and thank You this morning that we can call You our Father. Because, Lord, like erring children, we keep sinning over and over because we are weak in our humanity. But Lord, we've heard from your word this morning that if we will come and cry before you for mercy and come with humble hearts before you and ask for your forgiveness, that you are the one who will forgive. You will always be the one who will forgive if we will ask. And Lord, thank you that you then come and you restore that intimacy with you and you give us a spirit which cries out, My Father, I've experienced your joy. And that that joy is reflected in our lives as we interact with others around us. Lord, whatever 2014 brings, we know the one who holds the future. And it is you. Lord, may we hold fast to you. May we keep our relationship with you fresh so that you will hold us fast and envelop us with the love which only you can give. Lord, be our rock and our redeemer, we pray.